About eight years ago, just in way of introduction, I'll share a few, few stories here. About eight years ago, we bought our house over in Orange City. And when we got there, I can show you pictures. When we got there, there were shrubs everywhere. I, mean, I, didn't, have a, I didn't have a hedge trimmer. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't really buy a house to buy extra work. So I didn't want to have a bunch of hedges that I just trim all the time. I mean, but there are hedges and bushes and stuff all around our house, everywhere. Anybody relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? Well, all right, so what we decided was we we're going to get rid of those. I thought, that'd, be, that'd be simple enough. We'll go out and we'll get those up. I see y'all, some of you've tried that. So you go out and you, have you ever tried to pull those up by hand? You know, yeah, you laugh because you just can't. You're like, so what you end up doing is, you know, you cut the bush down, then you start digging around it and you cut some roots and you dig some more and you pull, and then you cut some more and you dig some more and you chop here and you chop there and you tug some more and you pull some more and you tear up your water lines, your sprinkler system, and, and you do all of that and then you finally get them up, okay? So then you got all the work to put, up, put stuff back in, whatever you're going to do. But it's a lot of work, and what I realized as I was, I was thinking about some, some illustrations of that, and I thought about what hard work it is to get those bushes up. I mean, they're rooted in. And I thought, you know what? That's a lot like trying to get money from a stingy person. It's hard. It's hard work to get money from a stingy person. Amen? Now, I'd ask you this this morning as we go into this message. Have you ever struggled with giving? Have you ever struggled with giving? Is it something where, you know, are you known as a, would you be known as a generous person? Those around you, those that, uh, that hang out with you, or whatever, would, you, would, you, would they t- say that you were a generous person or were they to say that you were a, a stingy person? So which one, you know, more accurately uh, describes you? Now, there's a former University of Georgia football coach. I won't name his name, but uh, so he was a former coach at Georgia. So obviously he, was a, a, he wasn't a poor man. He, he, he coached at Georgia, so he had some money. And there, this was before debit cards. This is before you went around with a debit card and credit cards and stuff so much in your, in your pocket. And uh, there was a story that said this, that he would carry around nothing but a $100 bill in his wallet. And so what would happen is he'd go out to eat with some people or something like that, and he'd it'd come time to pay, and he'd go, hey, man, all I've got is this 100 and I really don't want to break it. Would you mind getting this? And they would do it. You know, they'd pay for it. They'd pay for it. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. It's a, it's a true story. That I, it's a true truth that I heard the story from someone who says they knew this to be true. And, uh, but, I, you know, I'd ask this question. Is that smart or is that cheap? That sounds cheap to me. That's what I think. I'm, I mean, it'd be cool to hang out with a football coach, but I don't think I'd want to go because I'd have to buy his meal. You know, then there's a commercial and you may remember this commercial. I don't even remember what it, I think it was for an insurance company or something. But there was this commercial and these people were sitting around the table. And the people, they're in the restaurant. And it comes time, they lay the bill down. And, and a couple people reach for it. And this guy goes, oh, no, no, I got this. I got this. And, and he's over there. And, and you look over and he's an alligator. And he's like, I got this. Oh, I can't reach it. I can't reach it. And so the, the commercial says, if you've got alligator arms, you avoid picking up the check. That's what you do. Okay? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that commercial? Well, look it up. Look up alligator arms. It is, it's hilarious. But, you know, we, we've all probably been, to, been, to, been out to eat with somebody who, who had alligator arms. You know, oh, man, I was going to get that. You know, that, that kind of thing. Somebody else grabs it and you go, no, 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 I was going to get that. I was, I was going to get it. I really was. So, 
Now, um, around Thanksgiving many years ago, radio commentator Paul Harvey, y'all remember many of you, the younger people go, I don't have any idea who Paul Harvey is. It's your loss. You should look up Paul Harvey. You should listen to Paul Harvey. That's the rest of the story. Paul Harvey was great, but he shared a story. This was a true story about a woman and her frozen Thanksgiving turkey. So he said, the Butterball Turkey Company set up a telephone hotline to answer consumer questions about preparing holiday turkeys. One woman called to inquire about cooking a turkey that had been in the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. <laughs> That's right, 23 years. The Butterball representative told her the turkey would, would probably be safe to eat if the freezer had been kept below zero for the entire 23 uh, 23, did I say 32? 23 years. But the Butterball representative warned her that even if the turkey was safe to eat, the flavor would probably have deteriorated to such a degree that she would not recommend eating it. The caller replied, that's what I thought. We'll give the turkey to the church. <laughs> now I wonder, I wonder if sometimes what we offer to the Lord doesn't seem like leftovers. You know, when we worked with, uh, we worked with a, a children's ministry, a children's camp up in, uh, a youth camp up in Georgia for a long time. And it was amazing the stuff that people would donate to the camp. And it was junk. But the camp director would always get it. He said, you always, you never turn it down. He said, a lot of times I pick it up and I'm just their delivery to take it to the dump. But he said, because you never know when somebody's going to want to donate a Mercedes to the camp. He said, you just don't know. So you take what people are going to give and you say thank you and you move forward. But there's a lot of times that's this, the mentality is, well, we'll just take what, if it's no good to me, I'll give it to somebody else. Now, there's a lot of good things. We got a, we got a, we got a great donation this week. We got, anybody like cotton candy? Who likes cotton candy? Nobody likes cotton candy? Come on, if I ask you a question, you've got to be honest with me. I love the cotton candy. So we, we've, got a, we've got a cotton candy maker that's been donated. And they were like, you know, maybe the children could use it or the teens could use it. And I said, or the adults. I'm like, come on, don't leave us out. I, I love cotton candy. That's good stuff. Um, but, but a lot of times what we give is leftovers. So listen, giving is a serious topic. It really is. It's a serious topic. Now, we don't talk about money because God needs our money. It's not that God needs our money. If we preach on tithing, we preach on, we preach on giving, we preach on tithing. It's not because God is poor and he needs our money. God is not poor. Uh, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Here's what it is. We give and, and we should give and we need to understand giving because, because God is the most generous giver. Amen? He was the most generous giver. He is the most generous giver. And, and everything that we have is a gift from him. Every, soak that in for a second. Everything you have, your very life, is a gift from God. How, can, how is it that we can close ourselves off and act like this is it? There's nothing about me. I, don't, I couldn't control my hair color, my height, none of that. Everything I have is a gift. Everything that he has given me, if, if, if I've got any intelligence or, or, or limited intelligence, what I have, God has given me. He blessed me with that. And I'm thankful for everything that I have. I'm thankful I can get up in the morning. At 55, I can get up out of the bed in the mornings. I don't ache all over when I get up. Most mornings. <laughs> Most mornings. I, you know. So I'm thankful for that. Anything that we have financially, we know is a gift from God. And it's learning to be thankful for what he gives us. It's learning to acknowledge that. And we want to, listen, if we want to be like God, and if God is a giver, and in his very nature he is a giver, then if we want to be like God, we've got to be givers. Amen? 
Amen? So when, it's, when it comes to our faith, we, we are to go all in. Okay, do you remember how we ended last week's study in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? We got to verse 58. We said, and Paul tells us there, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. All right, he's telling them, you know what you believe, believe it, stick to it, be grounded in your faith, understand these things. And they've been talking about the resurrection, those who doubted the resurrection. And he says, listen, you don't have to doubt that anymore. You shouldn't ever doubt that. You be grounded in this truth. There's a resurrection. One day you're going to die. But one day you're going to rise from the dead. Your body's going to come back up. It's gonna, you're going to be a new glorified body that God's going to give you. And, and you're going to have a physical body. It's going to happen. You do not have to doubt that anymore. So go forward in confidence and he says, abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, everything we do, everything we give, every way we serve for the Lord, all of that, none of that is vain. It's not empty. It's not lost. It's not wasted because the Lord records it all. He knows it all. He sees it all. Amen? And, it, and, it, and when it's done for His glory, man, what a glorious thing it is. So Paul tells us here that we're to be deeply and firmly rooted in the faith. It's the idea of being settled and firmly situated. And as believers in the Lord, we're to know who we are, what we believe, why we are here, and where we're going. And then always abounding in the work of the Lord. The thought Paul has is of exceeding the requirements. Exceeding the expected we're not to be satisfied or content with doing the minimum or the least or just enough to get by. Boy, that seems to be just what's rampant in the world today is, you know, I can remember, I can remember doing, being in construction. We'd be doing something, and it wouldn't be right. And somebody would say, well, you can't see it from my house. Y'all get that? Well, it ain't right. I'm looking at it right here. Well, you can't see it from my house. Well, no, duh. That's why you'll never, you'll never amount to anything because you want to just get by with the very least you can. It's not even right. We're going to fix it. We're going to make it right. You don't want to do the least you can or just what you can get by with. There's no plateau that we reach as a believer and go, you know what? I'm doing enough. I'm doing enough. That's, I don't really need to do anything more for the Lord. That's all I need to do. That's all I need to give. I'm giving this. That's enough. That's not, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be our, our mentality. We don't reach this plateau and then stop. That's not Christianity. That's not true faith. If we, if we are, um, what we're to do is we're to work uncompromisingly as the Lord gifts us and as he leads us. We're to use our time, our energy, our talents, our gifting, our bodies, our minds, and listen, and our money. Amen. And our money to be fully engaged in kingdom work. We are to abound in God's work by giving of our time and our talents and of our treasures. Avery? Where you at, Avery? Thank you for using your talent this morning. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful up here. If you have a talent, use it. If you, if you don't have a talent and you're deceived in thinking you have a talent there... Listen when people tell you, I don't know if this is the, really the best place for you. Okay, there's no shame in that. We can have a desire and maybe not have a talent. Avery has a talent. There's a gifting there, an ability, and she's using it for God's glory, and, and we should all do that. Fine, use your time. 
I was, I was thinking about, man, if we, if we tithed our time, somebody do the math on it. You can do the math on it. Take your eight hours out to sleep. You can take that out. I don't think we should take it out, but take your eight hours out. Take the time that's left in a week and then take 10% of that. I think it's about six hours a week that we ought to be giving to the Lord. Do we give six hours a week to the Lord? We ought to be doing something you know, if you're just going to tithe of your time. Fact is, we should give every minute of our time to the Lord. Amen. That's the truth of it. So give your time, give your talents, whatever talents you have, give them to the Lord, and your treasure. Man, when you get your check, you, my thought shouldn't be how I'm going to pay the mortgage. What I'm gonna do. My first thought to be is what am I going to give to the Lord? Because anything I get is a gift from Him. And I want to turn around. I want to acknowledge that. I want to thank Him. I want to show that. And I want to give back to Him. I want to think about that. So we're going to find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, we're going to find three understandings about giving that will enable us to abide in God's Word. First is this, point Roman numeral 1. The first understanding about giving is that it is instructed. Giving is instructed. Look at verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. He didn't leave much in the way of, it didn't sound like a questionable statement, did it? Pretty, pretty clear instruction, what he says right here. So Paul had instructed the church in Corinth to do the same as the churches in Galatia were doing. They were to have an offering ready for the church in Jerusalem. Now there, there was a severe famine in Jerusalem. And the city was poor and they were overpopulated. And on top of that, there was the persecution of Christians that, that, that had become just very, very intense there in Jerusalem. Some of them had been forced from their homes. They had been stripped of their possessions and some had been imprisoned and some had died for their faith. So there was strong persecution there in Jerusalem. They were under a hard time of persecution. They were under a hard time in that famine. They were, they were poor. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have money. They were, they were really, really struggling simply to survive. And Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand that they had a ministry to perform for their fellow believers that were there in Jerusalem. We're going to receive an offering. You're going to take this. You're going to collect this for the saints. As I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. You need to take a collection and, 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 and receive this collection that is going to go to, to support the, the church there in Jerusalem. And so that gives us the context of the situation that speaks to a much larger one. And that is, number one, giving is expected. Giving is expected. Paul points out that this is not an option. This was a, 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 an holy order. This is from Paul. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is, this is an order from the Lord for what the Corinthians are to do. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. They were to have a collection. Now that word collection, it's an interesting word in the context of this sentence because it, 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 in the original language, it comes from the root word logos. logos. And many of you know what that word logos means. It means, it means word. It means, it means uh, or, or something said or something communicated word would do that. And think about this. The collection is important, is important because it says something. It expresses the spiritual oneness of the church. You know, the church in Jerusalem, just because they're out there by themselves and they're going through this and, boy, things are wonderful here, we're not exempt from being a part of their suffering. We're not a, a, exempt from being a part of helping them. And that's what Paul was saying. So there's instruction and then the giving is expected. We're not to miss the significance and the importance of giving. James 4, 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. We know to do right, and we know there's something we should do, and we don't do it. It's sin, folks. So failure to give is sin. It is a sin that should be confessed and repented of. 
I believe a problem that the body of Christ has today in America is that we are looking to do the least and not the best. I think that's a problem for many, many, many Christians or professing Christians in America today is that we've become very stingy. It's very much about us. It's about what we can have, what we want. And, you know, if I give that, then I can't have my toys. So I think it's a real concern for American Christianity. And many times those who do give, give with the expectation of getting something in return. TV evangelist, or as I like to call them, snake oil salesmen. Um, they've, They've made untold fortunes exploiting people in this, very, in this very thing. And it's, and it's exploiting people who, who bought into this prosperity gospel lie that, that, you know, if you just have enough faith or if you give enough money, then it's all going to come back. So it's all about me. It's not about him. And so I, I, here's what I'd say. You know, they tell you, give me $1,000 and God will bless you. And I'd say, Creflo, send me $10,000 and let God bless you. Let's do it that way. Okay? You're the man of faith. Creflo dollars, send me a few of your dollars. Send me $10,000 and you take the blessing. I'll pass up on your blessing. You take the blessing, just send me your $10,000. They won't do that because they don't have any faith. They're exploiting people who believe if I give, I'm going to get back. It's going to pour back on me. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about that because I think there's blessings that pour back on us, but I don't think there's a guarantee that we're going to get money blessing back. God, God, God can do what he wants to do in that. Sometimes when you show that you'll give it, he'll just keep giving it to you. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Number two, we are to look beyond the minimum. We're going to look beyond the minimum. So here's just a few statistics about church and giving. 5% of churchgoers tithe. This is national studies. 5% of churchgoers actually tithe. Now, when I say tithe, we're talking about 10%, that they give 10% of their income. Out of 247 million U.S. citizens who identify as Christian, you ask them, they say, I know that's a crazy number, 247. 247 million? Was that two-thirds of America? I don't believe it for a second. Um, but they identify. They would tell you, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a Christian. Of those 247 million, only 1.5 million of those people tithe. That's one in every 165 who identifies as a Christian who gives, who tithes. Here's another interesting stat. 77%, 77% of tithers give more than 10%. You know what that tells me? People who get, get it about tithing, they really get it because they realize you can't outgive God. And when you give, God's going to take care of it. He's going to provide for the need. There were times where uh, 20 years ago, 20, 20 yeah, 20 years ago, I left Charlotte 23, 40 years ago. Before I went into ministry, I left Charlotte, and the Lord, Lord was taking care of us. And I made $18,000, $18,000 that year. We tithed. We, we never went away from tithing. And you know what? The Lord took care of everything. Yeah, we tightened up the belt. Yeah, maybe we didn't eat out as much, but the Lord provided every need that we had. Maybe not every want, but he provided every need that we had. And so, boy, when you learn to be a tither, it's amazing. It's easy to go beyond that and go, I'm going to give more, I'm going to give more, I'm going to give more, because you, you know what it's going to. It's going to kingdom work. You want to be involved in that as much as you can, and, and you, want to, you want to see God use it. If every Christian, here's a stat we've used, we've, we've mentioned this before, but this came from another location. It says that if every Christian tithes 10%, Faith organizations would have an extra $139 billion each year. 
$139 billion. The numbers I've heard in the past said that on average, so if you took every Christian and you took the total money given, it's less than 3% that's given across the board. You look at all that's going on in the kingdom of God that for le- with less than 3%. Imagine if every Christian just tithed the money we would have. The, the missionaries would be fully funded. Works all around the world would be fully funded. Churches would be built. You wouldn't have to have building camp. We wouldn't have to be doing car washes to send kids to camp and things like that. It would be all the money that's needed would be there. So again, tithing, and that word tithe, some, some know what that means, some may not. But tithing, the word tithe means a tenth, means tenth. And it is a concept that is taught in Scripture that directs us to give 10% of our income back to God. Now, some believe that the tithe is no longer in effect because they're now in the age of grace. And they believe that we give what we want, not, uh, not because we have to. Now, I, I agree with the last part of that statement. I, I agree with that. I agree that we should give because we want to, not because we have to. Amen? That's why I give. I, I, there's nothing more I, I hate than feeling like I'm obligated to do something. I just don't lie. I think that's pride. I think it is. But sometimes I struggle with that. I, mean, I have to do that. I don't want to do it anymore if I have to do it. But man, I, I, love, I get to give. I get to be a part of the work. I get to be a part of what God is doing. I get to give. And I want that to be my attitude about giving is I get to give. I don't have to give. I get to give. So we're to give because it is in our hearts to give. And I know some don't believe the tithe applies to Christians today. However, I'm fully convinced that tithing is a principle that is very much still in effect today. One Christian author wrote this. He says, isn't it interesting how we think of grace as something less than the law? When Paul spoke of generosity and giving, he could have never imagined that a Christian would give less than a religionist. Paul had been a Pharisee. 10% was the law. It would have been inconceivable to him that any Christian who gave less than a tithe would ever be considered generous. Or to say all that another way, why would a Christian saved by grace ever do more under grace than what was required under the law? That's the way we ought to think about that. Man, if the law said 10%, why don't I say 15? I want to do more than was required under the law. I'm under grace. Those things that, man, it's a blessing. Amen? Amen. Wow. It's quiet. Also interesting, the concept of the tithe came before the institution of the Mosaic law. So those who argue, well, we're not under the law anymore, so that's not a part of that. The tithe was instituted before Mosaic law was. It wasn't a part. So it was long before that. And we don't read anywhere where that standard has changed. Not, Not only that, but grace is even more demanding. Think about when the rich young ruler came to Jesus. What did he tell him? He said to sell all that he had and follow him. He didn't say give 8% or 7% or 10%. He said sell all that you have and come follow me. Paul tells us Romans that we are to be living sacrifices that give our whole selves completely to Jesus. Obviously, this would include our wallet. Amen? See, I think what we do as Christians sometimes, we're going to have baptism this morning. And y'all watch. Because they're not going to be baptized with their wallet in their hand sticking out of the water. In the Crusades, they used to baptize them with the sword out. You, you, you probably know that. Scott, you probably read that. So they would be, you know why? Because they, the sword wasn't holy. It wasn't surrender. It was, it was going to do some bad things. So they wouldn't baptize them. The sword would stay out. And I think sometimes we, we hold our wallets out when we get baptized. I, I'm fully committed to the Lord 
I'm fully committed to the Lord. Okay. And, and I think that's sometimes what happens. But that includes our wallet. We should, everything in our life ought to be surrendered to him. Okay, amen. I'm moving to point two. Uh, Roman numeral two, the second understanding about giving is that it is planned. Number one, giving is to be regular. Look at verse two. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside, uh, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. We see in this text the evidence that Sunday has become the official meeting and worship time for the early church, not the Sabbath. And we may actually talk about this uh, next week. We may look at it. I think a lot of people wonder that they don't have a real gr- full understanding of the Sabbath. Sabbath versus Sunday. Why do we do this? Should we, or is Sabbath still in love? So we may look at that next week and, and look at the Lord's day. But Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week on, on Sunday. Amen? Amen? Right? He rose on Sunday. He, met, he first met with the disciples on the first day of the week. Jesus commissioned the disciples to go out and preach on the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit came on the first day of the week. The early church met together on the first day of the week. They met together. They, took, they broke bread together. They took communion together on the first day of the week. And then we read here in 1 Corinthians 16, they gave their offerings on the first day of the week. So this means that there is a consistent, ongoing spiritual responsibility that each one of us has each week. And it's called the offering. It is the giving of a proportion of a portion of our income. Now, giving is an act of worship. It should be. Let me say it should be. For some, it may not be. For some, it may be I give, but it's I grudgingly give. We shouldn't be grudging givers. We should be joyful givers. We should be. be, be and, and you know what? I've shared the story. I had to grow in that. There was a time where I tithed for a while, and I did it because that's what I've been told I should do. And you know what? I, I've shared the story. I bought a four-apartment building, and I got the first bill on that, and I went, oh, I can't pay that. There's no way I can pay that. There's no way I can still tithe and do that. So I stopped tithing. And it took about two months for me to realize, this isn't going to work. Because I just thought it was tight before. When I stopped tithing, it was impossible. It didn't work anymore. The math didn't work. And so I learned to, then I learned that, okay, okay, Lord, I get it. I'm going to tithe. And and then I learned to to be a faithful tither. And then I grew and I learned to be a cheerful giver in my tithe. It was a joy to give. It's a blessing to give. But then I learned to be a worshipful giver. And I actually, I I think we've lost something, Gina, and I think we're going to talk about this. So we give online right now. I've lost the worship part in that. Not that I don't acknowledge the Lord in that, but there's something about having that check in my hand and thanking God for, for what he's given me and that I can give back. I really love doing that and then dropping that in the box and giving it this act so it's not just automatic. I know Pastor Aaron talked about this early on with, with, uh, with that giving, and we were talking about doing it online. He said, you know what, I set it up and I do it each week because I want to I intentionally do that. And I, I think we've lost something in that. So still give, but I want to be a worshipful giver. I loved holding that check there and saying, thank you, God, for giving me. I, this, just to give you something back. And thank you for what you've done for me. So giving is an act of worship. It is to be given at the place of worship. And it's to be given when you worship. When you come together, worship. It's not something to be ignored. It's not something to be resented. And it's not something to go through the motions with. We don't just, shouldn't just go, oh, this is what we do. I write my check, you know. Man, we ought to really be worshipful as we give back to the Lord. It is something we do because we love the Lord our God and we are thankful for all that He has blessed us with. So Paul is careful to point out, number two, that each person is responsible to participate. Okay? 
It's it's a regular thing. Number two, each person is responsible to participate. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something or let each one of you lay something aside. So no one was exempted. No one was accepted. No one was excluded. And it doesn't matter how much or how little you have. and And it requires thought to do it. Well, we are, as the text says, to put it aside and save it for the time of meeting. It's not to, it was not designed to be hasty, thoughtless, or impulsive. That shouldn't be how we give. It, it should be done deliberately, intentionally, thoughtfully, and dare I say prayerfully and worshipfully. That's how, that's how we should give. Number three, we are to give proportionately. The plan that God has, again there in verse 2, it says on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside uh, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Storing up as he may prosper. So our giving should reflect God's blessing. Amen? What we give, God didn't ask me to give more than my proportion. He, he, he wants me to give what, and some would say this, you know what, I, 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 I don't make enough to give 10%. Man, I'm just, I just don't make that much. I just don't make enough to give 10%. Others would say, you know what, I make too much. Do you know how much that would be? If I gave 10%, you know how much that would be? Then you ought to be saying, praise God, I can give it. Because God could say real quick, well, you don't have to make that much. I could make it so you can give that much and you'd feel more comfortable with this much down here. Since you'd feel more comfortable with that, I can fix that for you if that's what you want. God can do that, amen? So God's plan is proportionate and it's fair to each person. No one gives a greater proportion than another. So as we, as we give, as we make more, we are to give more. It's that simple in our, in our giving. Um, we're to give generously, and we are to reflect the generosity of Jesus in how we live. That's, that's what we're looking at when we're talking about giving. And again, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding, going above and beyond, exceeding. What, what God would, what, what the expectation others may have. I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to always be abounding in that. Number three, the third understanding about giving is that it is managed. Verse three and four. And when I come, who, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, Here's the thing about giving and the money handled in the church. Responsible and spiritual people should handle the finances. Amen? amen. I want to hear amen there. Um, so, so hear this clearly. Money is a spiritual issue. So I think a lot of times we miss that. We think, well, money, money doesn't fall under God's responsibility or, or whatever. Are you kidding? Everything we have is of the Lord and from the Lord. Everything we have. So it absolutely falls under his supervision and he's given it to us. And then he's, he's very, it's very much within his business to tell us what to do with it and how, how it should be spent. It is a spiritual matter. What we do with our money is spiritual. What we spend it on, it should be spiritual. The scripture speaks more of money and finances than it does about heaven and hell. Scriptures talk a lot about, about money and how we handle our money, and what we do with our money. And in the church, when the money is taken, the money is to be handled by those who are godly and responsible. And uh, qualifications are not financial. Oh, that person works at a bank, so they qualify to handle the money. No, it's not about being financial or, or in the commercial thing. It's about being moral and spiritual. 
We have, a, we have folks that count our money. We have accountability. There's always people, those that collect the money. There's always m- multiple people that do that. When the money's taken out and counted, there's multiple people that do that. Anytime the money's handled, it's multiple people that do that. There's oversight. There's accountability in that. So you can feel confident that, that it's being done right. And the people who are in place in those areas with our finance committee, with our counting teams, all of that are spiritual people. It, it's folks that you'd go, yeah, I could trust them. And so we want, we, want, we want that so that you can, again, it's accountability and it's, it's transparency. We want you to know that. So because of temptation, there is, is always to be accountability because the collective monies are for God and His kingdom work. Amen? Amen. We give it. When we give to the work here, look, there's things that come out of the pie, but you, you don't, you're not, you know, I don't want to spend my money on paying a light bill. Well, the light bill's got to be paid. And when you give your money, you're giving to the work of the Lord. And it goes into the pot. And then that, that money is, as a church, we decide where that goes with the budget and all of that. Okay, So we, we give to the Lord. We give to the Lord's work. So the application, we start to wrap this up. So let me again say this. Number one, don't settle for the minimum. This is the one area in life that we're not to be conservative. Never thought I'd say that. But, but it really is. This is an area, when we talk about our finances and our giving and our money, this is an area we shouldn't be conservative in. We, we, ought, to be, we ought to be liberal in our thinking and, and our activity when it comes to giving to the work of the Lord, to, to different things there. The late actor Danny Thomas, many of you would know him, many of the, our, my age and, and older maybe, would know Danny Thomas. He was the founder of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. He went through his life savings of $600 at a time when he was out of work. He and his wife Rosie had a baby on the way and they needed money. Danny worked a part-time job, worked at part-time jobs so Rosie, Rosie could buy groceries. He also borrowed money from friends. It was a tough time in his life. A week before their baby was born, Danny had the grand total of $7.85 to his name. And, and, and he was questioning, you know, what, what, what do I do? He said, my despair led me to my first exposure to the powers of faith. Danny would later recall. On Sunday morning, Danny went to church. When the offering plate was passed, he put, his usual, uh, he put in his usual $1. But something unexpected happened that day. A special missions offering was taken. When it was explained where the mission offering would go, Danny felt he had to give something. He said, I got carried away. And ended up giving my seven dollars. He gave everything but the change he, that seventy-five or eighty-five cents he had in his pocket. He had he had given away all his money that Sunday. What in the world had he done? He walked up to the altar rail, got on his knees, and prayed aloud. Look, I've given my last seven dollars. He prayed. I need it back tenfold because I've got a kid on the way and I have to pay the hospital bill. He went home with with a mere eighty-five cents in his pocket, all the money he had in the world. You won't believe this, Danny said. Uh, writing later, he said, but, but the next morning, the phone rang in the rooming house hall. It was a job offer. It, 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 it was offered, he was offered a part in a commercial. The job wasn't much, but the pay was good, $75. I literally dropped the telephone receiver. Danny remembered first I whooped with joy, then an eerie feeling came over me. I remembered what he, he remembered what he had prayed at church the day before, the $75 fee. He said, unheard of for me at that time was almost exactly 10 times the amount of money I donated to the church. Now, I'm not, I'm not promoting prosperity theology. And I'm not pro- promoting that if you give $7 today, you're going to get 75 tomorrow in the mail. 
Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you this. If God leads you to give and you're faithful with giving what God gives you, he's going to provide for your need. And you're going to see it come in ways you never could have imagined. You know, and, and it's not just the physical blessing. It's the spiritual blessing when we're faithful to give. There are ways that the, the blessings that come for us spiritually just by being obedient to give back to the Lord. It's incredible. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. By faith in giving to the work of the Lord, trust the Lord with all your finances. Allow him to show you how he can meet all your needs. He can do far more with nine tenths than you can do with ten tenths. Amen. Amen. And the question is, do you trust God? And you'd say, yes, I trust God. Well, if you do trust God, then number two, give as a matter of worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Be a cheerful giver. God loves that. Thanks and giving go together. Amen. Thanksgiving. Thanks and giving go together. Do you want to know how to check what you really value? I'm going to give you a quick test this morning. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. And I'll tell you real quick, how you spend your time and how you spend your money will tell you everything you need to know. It'll let you know exactly where you're at. A little spiritual checkup. Number three, express the priority of your faith. And we do that just by abounding in God's work. Several verses there, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So sow, sow your treasure where you want your heart to be. I want it to be in the things of God. I want it to be in the things that are everlasting. That's where I want my heart to be. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. But this day, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes as his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Several other verses. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but, he, but it leads to poverty. It just shows. You know, it's like Brother John Reynolds talking about. You, know, you, you can close your hand like this, because I, you know, I want you getting that out of my hand. It's hard for God to put something in that closed fist. If you open up that hand, you say, Lord, whatever you want to take out of that hand is yours. And also, he's free to put whatever he wants to in that hand. Amen? Pastor Aaron, you can come. I hope this morning, I, I, I really do, I hope you didn't, I hope there was nothing in this message that sounded like I was preaching at you about, boy, you just better give. Here, here's what I want for you. And, and if you're not a part of our church, if you're not a, be, a believer, if you're not a, a born-again Christian, this doesn't apply to you. You're not, don't feel like that preacher, man, he wants me to give money to that church. That's not what I'm asking at all. In fact, that's, that's not even between me and you. That's between you and the Lord. But what I am trying to encourage you with this morning is that giving is such a great blessing. God will bless when we get on board with Him and His plan and giving to Him. He's going to bless that. And it's not just with our finances. Folks, it's with our time. 
We should give our time to the Lord. We should, we should give our time to the Lord. We should give our talents to the Lord. In the same way that if every Christian tithed, we'd have, we'd have more money than we'd know what to do with. We'd be fighting to give money away to do some project or something. It would be, it'd be crazy. God's blessed us immensely. But I believe, there's a, I believe we haven't even tapped the capacity even within our congregation here. But I'd also say this, if we'd tithe of our time, we wouldn't be begging for help in children's ministry all the time. And we need your help. We need you just to say, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll serve wherever you need me. And you know what? Then we wouldn't have these needs all the time within the church where this isn't getting done or that isn't getting done. We don't have enough people helping to where when somebody's out sick, there's nobody to fill in for them. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be in that, in that state. Tithe of your time. Tithe of your, your resources. Tithe of your talents. Give, what, give back to, to God what he's given to you. He doesn't ask for all of it. Just tithe it back. Give me back just a portion of it. Amen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask our candidates if you would go ahead and, and prepare. Go up and make yourselves ready. And this morning, we're just, we're just going to do this this morning. We, we do this a little different each week. But I'm going to ask you to stay seated. We're going to pass, ask Pastor Aaron if he would sing, lead us in this. But I, I want you just to be in an attitude of prayer this morning. Um, if you're here and you've never, you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior... You, you may be thinking, preacher, I really don't know what you're talking about. But if you say, preacher, I, I'd really like to know more about this salvation you're talking about. I'd really like to know about forgiveness of sin. I'd really like to know about what that means to be, to be born again and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd like to know more about that. And if that's you this morning, I'd ask you to just step out. I'll sit on the, we'll, we'll, we'll go over here in the corner. I'll take the scriptures and walk you right through anything you want to know. Or we'll have someone else talk with you. I'd love to share with you. It's very simple. The gospel, you know what? Freedom's never free. And it cost Jesus Christ his life to make salvation available to us. But boy, for us, it's simple. It's not free, but it's simple. It's not a complicated thing. So if you've never trusted Christ, I'd invite you to come down. Maybe this morning you just, you just need to talk to the Lord about what you've heard this morning. Maybe it's a, an area of recommitting. Maybe it's an area, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? Where do you want me to serve? Is there something, Lord, more that you want from me? And, and this, ain't, this ain't about preacher. What preacher wants you to do, it's between you and the Lord and what the Lord would have you to do. Maybe it's time you join this church. Maybe it's time you say, preacher, next time you have that class, I want to be in that class. I want to, I want to, I want to come and be a part of this fellowship. Maybe you've never been baptized. and You need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Whatever, whatever it is. Take that step and follow the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father God, I pray that you'll just bless in this time of invitation, that you'll move on our hearts. And uh, Lord, as we just have this time, we're going to listen to Pastor Aaron as he, he sings. He leads us in this, Lord. But I pray that we'll have a time where we'll just we'll, we'll listen to you and we'll respond to you, God, whatever you want to do in our hearts this morning. So bless in this time now. In Jesus' name I pray.